0: You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show presented by Occupier.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining the Fully Occupied podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Today's episode is with Amy Calandrino. Amy is the founding principal of Beyond Commercial, a certified women-owned business based out of Orlando and Maitland, Florida. Amy is a longtime commercial real estate broker, but her background actually goes uh, further back when she was in the law practice where she started working with small businesses who had, needs in the commercial real estate space, whether that was buying a building, selling a building, or looking for space. Uh, And she felt like she was in a great position to help those companies uh, with their real estate decisions and thus uh, grew a business uh, in the Orlando area, which is one of the largest boutique uh, commercial real estate firms uh, out there. Uh, And Amy talks to us about her philosophy with helping small business owners as well as large national corporations that are looking for space in her area. Uh, She also walks through her perspective on negotiations, how time could kill all deals or be your uh, ally when negotiating deals. Uh, And Amy also walks us through how she uses social media to market her platform uh, and uh, fill the funnel with potential leads. Uh, Fascinating conversation. We hope you enjoy. Hey, Amy, thanks for joining the Fully Occupied Show. How are you?
0: Glad. Glad to be here. It's a beautiful day down here in sunny Florida.
1: Yeah, where in Florida are you again? Orlando area, is that right?
0: In Orlando area, yeah. So um, my office has previously been in Maitland, just outside of Orlando, uh, but I have purchased a new building in uh, Orlando proper now.
1: <laughs> awesome. Um, so you are the CEO of beyond commercial. Um, why don't you explain everybody what that is? Like give us your background, uh, for the audience. So we know who we're, who we're talking with here.
0: Yeah. So I will give the readers digest version. Um, (laughs) but I, Essentially was working in law for a period of time, helping a lot of small businesses along with my husband at his firm. And I really noticed a pattern of how commercial real estate could really make or break it for, for businesses and started to kind of develop a passion for that. Especially as I studied real estate throughout going, uh, going through college here locally. And so eventually, an opportunity presented itself for me to handle some things for my family, and I was also put in contact with some mentors, and so I established Beyond Commercial, which was known by a different name at that point, um, and have just grown it from a really shoestring operation, helping more friends or family, to really becoming one of the top boutique commercial real estate brokerages here in Orlando, especially since we focus uh, a lot more on local businesses here in our market.
1: Cool. So is the mission of Beyond to focus on those small business owners, small businesses that are trying to make these real estate decisions that are necessarily, you know, frequent decisions for them? Like what's the kind of the, the, the mission behind the firm?
0: Yeah, I would say about 90% of what we do is for small businesses. Um, I like to also help them to grow. I think uh, having commercial real estate, you have two different reasons for it. Either you're an investor and you want to fill your space and you want to make money off of your property, or if you're a business and you're procuring space, and it's a tool for you to throw off revenue. So early on in in my career, I started to develop a methodology to, to create Uh, more revenue generation between each business by working through and counseling each business and really understanding their operations. And so that's, that's about 90% of what we do. Now, from time to time, we might help some larger organizations, uh, because, you know, it's essentially the same process, you know, no matter what type of, uh, person that you're representing, but really it's, uh, the local uh, tenants or those that are establishing a location here, more small to medium size that we work with.
1: Cool. What are some of the biggest challenges uh, for like a local tenant? Like if I'm either a single location operation, or maybe I'm a regional restaurant chain, or I have a regional, you know, set of law officers or something like that. How does the, how does the role of realist commercial real estate, Um, factor into their business differently than it might for like a huge kind of fortune 500 company.
0: So I think that there's pluses and minuses to, to working with a small business. I think one thing that's, you know, positive is they tend to be more nimble and able to move quickly. And so if you also have a local landlord who owns property here, you can really accelerate the time in which that you can transact. Um, versus if you're working with a larger user who's also then um, leasing from a big REIT, um, you could be looking at months and months versus versus weeks. And so there's definitely some pluses and challenges to that. I would say here in Orlando, it's uh, in the office in industrial market, I think that local Uh, local credit doesn't play as much of a part into the landlord's decision making. They just may ratchet up the amount of equity they put into it and make sure that they have really solid financials. When it comes to retail, and about 15% of my business has to do with retail either on the owner side or the tenant side, uh, I see that uh, landlords would much rather have a a larger tenant which is which is hard for me being a local i like to shop small shop local um and, and and it can be really a long and tiring road for a a local business to start up because you also already have against you that more than 90 percent of businesses like a restaurant businesses can fail like in the first two years and so you're asking a landlord in a very limited uh, availability market to to take a chance on someone who's local. So it it can be very challenging. Um, And so I really work to counsel those restaurants to have a solid financial plan, um, more reserves and replacement uh, reserves for their uh, startup capital, their operating expenses, those types of things put put aside. And if they don't have that, I really can't help them. I mean, they really have to have close to a year of operating expenses uh, available at their disposal. If they don't have that, I say we'll work on getting that, and then I can help you because it because of the competitive nature and the sheer population uh, influx that we've had here in Orlando.
1: Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Has obviously, there's been you know the, the Sun Belt states and the Southeast has just exploded in population over the last call it decade or so, and the pandemic was certainly an accelerant of that people kind of moving self to um, either ex- escape the cold or, <laughs> you know, looking for, you know, lower cost of living type of cities. Um, what type of effect has that had on the local like real estate market in Orlando?
0: Well, um, so if I have someone who is a buyer or a tenant, and then again, if you have this large, deep pocket person from California or New York, it it makes it even more challenging for my local local credit tenants. And especially if they decide to cross the bridge over to investor class and do their own owner-occupied real estate, it has made it very competitive to compete, especially if the local credit user needs to do an SBA loan, perhaps to buy their, their property, the, the owner's just gonna be like, no, no, I'm not gonna do that when I have mm. someone who is cash. And so um, I think in some ways it, it can be a deterrent um, for some to go down that path. And, and at the very least it, it can lengthen the runway to, to get the result that they're seeking.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because you would think that like an influx of population would kind of rising tide floats all boats, but then it, it it's, that's kind of a interesting phenomenon that local businesses might be, um, now have to compete with outside, you know, forces coming in that might be, uh, have deeper pockets or better, well capitalized to, to transact quicker and, and take down some real estate. Has there been an explosion in the retail side of the world recently in, in your market?
0: Yeah, so I've seen a couple things going on in the, the retail market it is one like I, uh, we are seeing a lot of still uh, retail development, mixed use coming out of the ground. So it is helping with inventory, but we have so many new people. And so with um, retail, it's continued to keep the vacancy quite low. Um, and so what happens is you have the rooftops first and then the commercial follows and with the commercial follows, you first have, it tends to be, this is why I was taught going through CCIM is that you have the retail first, then you have the office second, and then you have the industrial. And, um, so, you know, the retail is catching up, but it's still lagging. Um, and then if any of these retailers, let's say they decide they want multiple spaces and they need to have a warehouse. support their operations which i do for several restaurant groups that have multiple locations it's making it challenging for them to find a few thousand square feet to 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 support that so i see if we see it coming out of the ground we are seeing the explosion oh but the other thing that's happening is with the construction's costs it's making it it sometimes cost prohibitive if you're if you're not a larger person And, and even if you have a lot of money you may look at the economics of it and like I don't know if I can make this concept work with how much I'm going to have to pay.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. The business, the business concept could work, but the macro environment might make it prohibitive to invest that capital to get any sort of return out of the business have um, I'm curious, like how, what role does like Disney play in the commercial real estate market in, in Orlando is, is it in a world unto itself or is there, is there some sort of factor um either positive or negative, that that plays off of just that massive, obviously, influx of people constantly coming in, into the state?
0: Well, um, I think that it ends up being kind of a world onto itself, but it does impact things. Now, even though they're one of the largest uh, employers within Florida, um, the wages for their employees necessarily haven't kept pace with some of the others and so you don't see many of those workers having like discretionary income to pay towards that and then the affordable housing has been really challenging for those workers so that's that's what i'm seeing come into play for those that are in food and beverage those that are working for the theme park we have tons and tons of hotels so we have a lot of hospitality workers it's been um really challenging cuz they're having to live so far out of the orlando area and come in now. That that has been fueling some development more more so further out. So because if you keep going further and further and further out in Orlando, it's fueling development out there to to support those that are having to move out that way. So um, I guess it, it does. It just it has affected perhaps um, because of all of their employees. Now, when they have like NONA come to fruition with those really high paying jobs, I think that's going to have a a significant impact on development there of more higher end retail versus more like standard strip center, basic use uh, development.
1: Yeah. What is your what is your day daily? What's your day to day look like? It sounds like. (laughs) <laughs> um in, in like the I, I worked at JLL for 10 years. So my day to day was very cookie cutter, right? I was an office leasing broker. Right. I had listings that I, you know, was trying to lease. I had tenants that I was representing. and they're mostly established companies. majority of them weren't local businesses. So you know, right. I was I was in a different zone, whatever. Um, but it's fascinating because as a, kind of a boutique firm in the local market, just gleaning from this conversation, you're talking to owners, you're talking to retailers, you're talking to office tenants, you're talking to family offices, family businesses. Like, yes. Is, like, how do you keep track of all of this on a day-to-day basis? It's just like, how do you manage your pipeline? Because it sounds like there's just there's so many things that could pull you in different directions. Some of them probably could make you money. Some of them might be favors to friends. Like, what does is, what is your day-to-day look like?
0: Yeah. So, well, and also the owner of my brokerage. And you um, a so company. Have, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> yes, and I have two toddlers. Uh, so, what is like, I, I, you know, I have a flow. I have a lot of extenders, you know, so to say, to to help with different aspects of you know fulfilling the searches. We have a systemized process for landlord representation, seller representation, tenant representation, and buyer representation. Uh, but I'm involved with basically um we'll do intro calls if it's a new relationship coming in um we do have a tremendous google presence um and then we do a lot of marketing um on social media and otherwise so we have a lot of inbound business coming in and we work to sift through those potential people that want to work with us because of our reputation here um it tends to maybe One out of 10 of those might be worth having a needs assessment, you know, having, uh, I would say a lot of the Google leads would be akin to the people that called from the phone book, you know, just two decades ago. Or or, or drive by Um, and and see the sign. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So not any of, not all of those are good, but if it is good, then, you know, I'll make sure to have a needs assessment call with them to go further on into the process. Now, I do have a large, large, large sphere of influence and in book of business. Uh, and it tends to have like a spider web effect. And so, just for instance, one of my, you know, maids of uh, one of my bridesmaids works for a company that has 250 employees in three locations. And she's like, oh my gosh, we're not getting renewed. And so of course, like I'm picking up and getting on the phone like right away to like help with that and then figure it out, you know, what? what's our plan? What? How are we going to block and tackle this? So what does my day look like? I try to, uh, you know, anything that I can delegate out. I, I have delegate delegated out and I have different admins for different functions within my firm. I think I have five W-2 employees and um, three of them um are licensed or will be licensed. So they're also backups for opening up doors and doing the showings. Um, I don't tend to do as many of the showings. Um, it just gets back over to me on the tenant side once we know what is the space that we're actually gonna negotiate on. Or if the, if we're doing a listing, you know, this is the person that it looks like is gonna buy the property or lease the property and then I take it over there. So I'm much more like strategic now um, and and then that way I'm putting all my experience to use. And yeah, we stay active. We close on average about a week, a, a deal a week. <laughs> so, nice. um, but how do I keep track of that? I, I, have, um, I have Salesforce to keep track of everything and integrates within our phone system. Um, I've developed all of this by myself, like over the last decade plus and to to really try to be as efficient as possible so we can help as many people as possible but i would say my secret to being able to do everything that i do is um is having to say no i have to say no a lot to to different requests that i get if it's not a good fit um our general deciding factor of whether we're going to be able to help someone is um are they a coachable person do we feel like we're going to have a really good like relationship with them um, it's not so much deal size um, if they're a really, really, really good, like, match. So, you know, I've taken someone and grown them from 500 square feet to going on to to buy a million dollar plus, you know, office building. And now I'm helping her sell the office building so that she can unlock that equity and move on to something else. So, but she was an incredible coachy, coachable, positive person that I, um, I got to the person can't be a jerk. And I got to like, want to do what it is that I want to do. And so it has to check those two things. Um, And then um, I'm blessed to be at that point in my career where where I can do that. And then I have the experience to help like vet that out and like just enjoy getting on every single call. Um, Outside of work, what do I do each day um, that people will be kind of surprised to know is like, um, I was raised by a dad who was in the military and he taught me to lay out my clothes the night before. So I lay out my clothes the night before and um, for my kids, for myself, I make sure all my bags are packed um, so I can move out pretty quickly and um, I get a workout in after I drop off my kids. And then um, before I get my kids up, I like to do the Wordle every day and some meditation. And I fuel myself all day by having copious quantities of caffeine (laughs) and lots of protein. So I probably drink way too much coffee. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, you should pour yourself a cup now. Um I'm I'm fascinated by the um what you said really early on, which was your Google presence. Um you, do you know Gordon Lamphere? No. Yeah, he was a previous guest on this podcast. You guys should definitely connect, but a while ago he's he's in suburban Chicago and he's same similar profile, like local boutique, brokerage company, property management company. Um not in a big city, but used marketing via Facebook and Google to widen the aperture of, you know, his audience. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to the decision that I'm going to market my services like online? And, you know, what does that look like for somebody that's just trying to get started on that?
0: So when I first started, and I didn't really have like a portfolio, I didn't have my CCIM. I didn't have my FAOR, I just made a really big deal of every single deal that I worked on. And I figured yes. out what's the story of this deal. And then, um, I would say that, uh, I would follow up with someone after I did a deal and I would, you know, basically take the story that, you know, what, what, was their, what was their problem? What was the solution that I provided? What was the result obtained? And help to put together like a Google review and I'd send it to them and ask them to post it. Um, we have over 50 uh, reviews on our Maitland location and then our Orlando location is, is growing. And then we've just continually worked towards um, improving each version of our website to be WordPress um, so that it it picks up better from an SEO perspective. Um, and I think there's some different terms that we are like on the first page naturally. Um, but like another thing I did so that I would appear really high up in Google was then sell my Maitland building, do a lease back, and then I bought the building in Orlando so I'd be in that square. <laughs> so- <laughs> Got it. Not everybody getting started out could do that, but uh,
1: yeah.
0: I had gotten to a point in my business that I was able to to do that, so that I could be in the Google Square when someone looks for Orlando commercial real estate. Uh, so I can attract people moving here. Um, but what I would do is just making sure to get reviews for every single deal, doing some posting the review on my social media, doing a picture with the client, doing gifts, you know, follow, you know, following up, and then just, you know, just. Um, you can't do everything all at once, and you think you just have to um, figure out what do you think is most important, what's going to have the biggest impact for you, and really focus on it. And the more that you do all the things, it becomes a lot easier.
1: Yeah, and now you're getting you know dozens of inbounds a day, and you have to say no to some, right? Like you said, you, you probably yes. have a one, you know, a ten percent hit on deals or leads that actually result in you know, a relationship. That's, those are pretty good numbers.
0: I have to have just one person just to vet all the prospects. So we have about, at this time, we have probably about 20 occupiers that we're working with. So that could be people buying or tenants, and they're all at different phases in the process. And we have probably about 15 listings. Um, and uh, that actually means, I think we may actually exceed our deal count this year. I, we'll, we'll just see how the cadence works out. Uh, but I have to have just multiple people checking Crixie and checking LoopNet and checking. Um, I say our phone rings the most on Sunday afternoon. So someone has to be, well, there the phone rang <laughs> right <laughs> on cue. Um, so the right on cue. So uh, the fo- our phone actually tends to ring the most for our listings because they tend to be smaller properties that smaller businesses would be list- interested in. Uh, rings the most on Sunday afternoons. I think, I don't know if people got all their stuff done for the weekend, and then they're like, okay, we're going to go look for some space right now. And um, we get a lot of calls. And so I have people checking um, any calls or texts that come in on those Saturday and Sunday night. Um, So we try to keep up the velocity because like I said, if we're working with a local landlord and a local tenant, we can tend to do things in a much more swift manner.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, You have um gained a reputation to uh, as being the master of the art of time what is what does that mean
0: yes yeah, so especially on new businesses i really have to coach them on patience i think that they don't necessarily always have everything in order um and so understanding that we can't like rush out so there's some instances we don't want to rush out to our landlord not have a business plan not have a menu not have all the funding in place, not be able to demonstrate strength. You want to come to a deal from a position of strength. And so being patient in that um, perspective. And then also um, in, in some instances, you also want to take your time to make sure you look at all the possible options rather than trying to rush one deal too quickly and missing out on another opportunity. And so I think the art of time and, and having people in this, this culture of immediacy learn that it's okay to, to wait um, it is a constant struggle for me to coach business owners on. But I think if you could have a bit more patience, uh, I think it, it, and it's something I've had to learn in my leadership journey is like, I want to have things done, I'm a driver, but learning to be patient and have, have a more consistent cadence is important. On the other side of things, time can, if you move too slowly, You've heard the saying time kills deals. Um, and so I think what comes with experience is you tend to learn how to to leverage time in negotiations and also um, develop, you know, patience, but then also be able to to move things out of momentum if you need to. So I, I think that's one of my my gifts is I've been able to learn how to, to how to balance all, all of those things and counsel people accordingly.
1: Yeah. Certainly, a skill that is gained over several years of doing this <laughs> um, yes. and seeing seeing pretty much every every shape and size of deal. Um, well, cool, Amy. Let's do a, let's do some rapid fire questions. You're going to get a minute yes. to, each to answer uh, five questions here. You touched on a little bit of what I wanted to ask you in your um, in your your daily routine. Um, so, question number one is an offshoot of that question. Now, you drink a lot of coffee. You said you feel yourself with a, <laughs> a huge amount of protein. But what is like yeah. your number one uh, breakfast food?
0: <laughs> My number one breakfast food. I like those uh, bacon egg like little like discs that you can get. So I could either make those myself, get them from Starbucks, or the Costco business center has them in bulk. So just like the egg and the bacon all together, like in the little things.
1: Yeah, those little little cup thingies that don't have any um...
0: souffles. I don't yeah. know. Would they be called like yeah. egg yeah. souffles? It's like, it's
1: like an an egg McMuffin without the muffin, you know?
0: Yes. That's like, that's like my favorite thing. I love bacon. It should be like its own food group.
1: Yeah. My kids will, (laughs) will like, I'll, I'll make bacon on Sundays and they'll just eat a whole pound of it themselves. Um, (laughs) Question number two, um, this doesn't have to be real estate related. Who's your role model?
0: I think someone that I met a really long time ago through when I used to be in law using the Orange County Bar Association. Um, her name is Melanie Griffin, and she's an attorney, and she runs uh, Spread Your Sunshine. Um, but I've always admired her, her grace and her positivity, but also her ability to hold the line. She's now become the DBPR secretary here in Florida. Um, but I've Really, always just admired her her leadership uh, journey, um, and consider her a role model.
1: Cool. Always good to have somebody like that in your in your stable. Um, question number three. Uh, okay, so you get up, you get your kids. Well, hopefully you've gotten most of the stuff ready the night before. You're getting your yes. kids out the school. You're getting your workout in. The phone starts ringing. You go on through your day. If you had a day, and maybe this is your weekends now, but you got two toddlers, so I'm sure you're pretty busy. Where you had nothing to do. Like, how would you spend your free time?
0: Oh, so if I, when I get to go on vacation, uh, I like, I would rent a cabana, by a pool at a luxury resort. And I would just spend the day, you know, reading and listening to music and drinking some margaritas. And maybe even, I actually knit.
1: (laughs) So those that
0: have met me at CREI, you know saw me like cozied up to like a fire like knitting by the fire so i don't get to knit much with kids because i'm constantly trying to grab them but just like kind of sit there and like relax because um i call it my own persona vacation amy uh where i'm so intense all the time but when i'm on vacation i just like i just want to like chill and be like zen and like be in a cabana or be by a fire reading knitting
1: all those things maybe even sneak a nap in there. i'm kind of boring yeah, I know. It sounds amazing. I
0: love naps. <laughs> uh, that is a successful weekend if I can get at least one nap.
1: Yeah, right. I know The weekend naps are the best. Um, okay, question number four. <laughs> um, uh, if you could describe commercial real estate in one word, what would it be? Interesting. Interesting. Interesting is the word, or it was that a? Interesting is my word. Yeah, that, okay. that's my word.
0: Uh, I, it's actually. Um, There's an article about me by the I4 Business Journal, and it talks about my whole journey to getting into commercial real estate. If anyone gets bored and wants to look up I4 Business Mag and read about it. But um, I'm very Jeffersonian. I have lots of different interests, and as you can see with the knitting and stuff. Um, But commercial real estate's been the first thing to really hold my attention. And I don't foresee a time that I would ever be removed from being in commercial real estate in, in some capacity because everything's a little different and it, it's actually interesting and holds my attention, cool. which is hard to do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, well, Amy, it's been great having you on the show. Final question is um, if we were to uh, invite new guests on, are there one or two people that you would recommend us talk to?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I like to support my other women in commercial real estate so a couple people that i'd recommend is maybe lynn drake up in michigan she has her own boutique firm and then um elise welch over at carolina retail experts and she's been crushing it um she works alongside john or i think she would be amazing to to talk to i think She's just as wonderful. Both of them have wonderful energy, which is so important for me with the people that I talk to.
1: Cool. We will follow up on those leads. I, I believe we had John uh, on the show last year at some point. So we'll have a follow yeah. up with this, with his partner in crime. Yeah. <laughs> well, Amy, well, thanks so much for uh, have, uh, coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure talking to you.
0: Yes, it's been awesome. Thanks so much. Uh,
1: yeah. How do people find you um, if they, if they want oh. to?
0: I am very Googleable, as we've already talked about Google, but um, probably the easiest way is to do a LinkedIn message, Instagram, um, or otherwise, you know, reach out uh, beyondcommercial.com and, um, you know, all, all the different things. But probably a LinkedIn message or Instagram might be easiest.
1: Cool. Thanks, Amy.